You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Oh, it's a great start. This is an awesome. This is this is how a 50th episode should go. Just pure carnage. This is why we should. We, we've got to have a YouTube version just so we can get a shot of Glenn getting up to close his window. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Rain Stop Play, the 50th edition of Rain Stop Play, no less. Raise the bat, point at the dressing room, point at the crowd, lads. We've done it. Thank you to everyone who's been listening for this long, by the way. Who are you? Thank you. <laughs> um, so for our 50th episode, uh, we are reviewing the final of the World Test Championship between India and New Zealand. A wonderful game of cricket that went on forever, it feels like. We're going to sit and review that. There's a heck of a lot of news to go through as well with England playing the T20s at the minute against Sri Lanka. Uh, England women played a test match and some other bits and bobs going on as well. So for this very special 50th episode of Rain Stop Play, I'm joined by Glenn. How are you? And you're back in the UK after a long stint in Wyoming. How are you? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Thank you, Dan. It's my first ever podcast in the UK, which is exciting. And it's also my first ever podcast with a cold beer. So it's twice the fun. I'm delighted to be back and I can watch cricket at a normal time. There's a T20 international in the evening, not the middle of the morning. I'm, I'm delighted. Yeah, that must be the biggest change for you is not is not having cricket at stupid hours, especially when it's in the UK. And who's to say you couldn't have had a beer at 10 a.m. when we were recording Wyoming time? That's That's on you. <laughs> it's been actually it's been amazing for the euros i think cricket because i actually got the majority of the india tour of australia that was an ideal time as i've said in the pod before i can't be too critical of that but watching football at six in the morning is horrible and i don't recommend it to, to anyone <laughs> can't be any fun uh and i'm also joined by will back-to-back pods for will again it's because india are on but we we need to stress it's not because india are on at the same time uh how are you will I'm very well. Yes. Welcome back to Glenn. It's good that we can all, you know, actually be in the same time zone, not waking up to a stream of Glenn's messages about cricket when someone's collapsed during the night. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 4am. Oh, Ashbin's been bold. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know when that was. <laughs> um, OK, so the meat of this part is, is the World Test Championship final. So if you don't want to fast forward to that, we will link the time in the description. So you'd have to hear all this news gubbins because there's quite a lot of it, but it's obviously important we go through it. Um, shall we start with the men playing a T20 series that everyone sort of forgot about? Um, they played the first T20 yesterday, which was 
Wednesday. We were recording on Thursday night. Uh, England won by eight wickets uh, with 17 balls left, uh, chasing 129 for seven. Uh, they made 130 for two off 17.1. Josh Butler not out with 68. And Jason Roy, 36 off 22. This was an awful game of cricket. Sri Lanka are stinking out the gaff. Normally, right, with the sort of minnow nations, you have to go like, no disrespect to X. I'm going to disrespect Sri Lanka. I am. They are so, so bad. Like, this game was terrible. This game was unwatchable. And at the minute, as we speak now, they're plodding along at four and over, two wickets down. What do we think, boys? Um, someone respect Sri Lanka for the sake of balance. Glenn, this is what all of the IPL podcasts were like. This is what you were missing. Just pure, like, baseless rage at a team. Um, I've gone early yeah. this time as well. It's normally after about 40 minutes. But, you know, five minutes in, I thought, yeah, let's just two foot Sri Lanka. You've gone early. And to be fair, you're not wrong. I mean, they're currently playing the second T20 as we record this. And, and for a flavour of it, they scored 52 runs off. 10.4 overs Class. no no one that i'm currently looking at as a positive strike rate yep no one at all um so that kind of gives an indication that was pretty much the story in the previous game as well um it's kind of hard to say how much you can put that down to the conditions the difficulty of like having to come in in quarantine and whatever how many chop and changes the sri lanka team has made but also at the end of the day yeah you're right it's one side is much better at cricket than the other and that's come across no, I, I actually agree with you both here. It's quite unfortunate. I I think, so we've got three T20s and three one-day internationals, which are going to happen um, across, across next week. I'm going to be honest and say this feels like a completely pointless series. It's a waste of everyone's time. And I'm going to put the caveat down. I know you discarded it. You couldn't care less. I am going to put the caveat, no disrespect to Sri Lanka, because <laughs> this... This cannot be much fun for them. I don't know, because obviously we've had so much other cricket, we haven't really focused on this too much. I'm not quite sure how long they've had in England, how long they've been in quarantine, but I mean, they were pretty poor when we played them um, just a couple of months ago before the India series um, on that tour. Even in test cricket on their home conditions, their batting was absolutely abysmal. So I'm not trying to defend their quality, which I think sadly is, is incredibly low right now. But this entire series, both for England and for Sri Lanka, I mean, for the English players, just playing the blast. If you need T20 experience, play in the domestic tournament. It's on right now. You don't need this. And, and the one day is just, I mean, who, you know, we've got the Euro knockout games on. Who wants to watch Who wants to watch 100 overs of this? It's, it's, it's awful. It is genuinely awful. It's frightening, I'm isn't it? And, and, we, and we've spoken about, um, especially in the India series, when there's rest and rotation, about the density of England's schedule. This is six games. This is two weeks that nobody needed. And could have you could have either a rested as they already have been, or b as you said, Glenn, go and play for your county for a little bit. I'd rather go watch a blast game than watch England Sri Lanka at the minute. So that'd have been a much better use of their time. And what's funny as well, I mean, if you're batting in the lower order for England, you're not even going to be getting any any ball on your bat because we're we're probably going to knock this off. Jason Roy and Bester will knock off, I imagine whatever sad total Sri Lanka pose in about 12 overs and that'll be that so you're just actually even as an England player trying to get ready for the World Cup this is a, this is not a helpful series again playing the blast which is mm-hmm. we'll get onto it in about five minutes pretty competitive still and get 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 in the middle because this is uh, in my opinion this is kind of helpful for no party and it feels like an almost artificial series that's kind of been shoehorned in and to really speak to that I mean the BBC has tonight's game and we were talking just before we went on air that I mean me and Dan I mean and and Tim as well like quite a lot of the um the rainstop play 
um, uh, group didn't have any idea really that there was a game on um, on BBC, which really speaks to a how poorly they've advertised it, but b what really is there to advertise because <laughs> it's on now. Well, it's on well that's it. It's not very enjoyable. <laughs> uh, I think the BBC were kind of afraid to advertise this and and be spending their money on this, you know, in that little slot on BBC Two, paying Ishigua, paying Jimmy Anderson who's out there. They were just like, yeah, let's, let's not let's advertise this once and see who tunes in. Um, <laughs> it's the we. The no respect to no disrespect to Sri Lanka caveats like the socially distance of course that's that's been developing over the past eighteen months. <laughs> yes. That's something you have to say, otherwise people just like we were wearing masks, just not in this photo. <laughs> anyway, listen, we will have a pod reviewing the series, probably the White Ball series, um, because we have to. You can, <laughs> do we really need to? <laughs> well, I was about to say we'll do the T20 series, but after what we've just said, it'll be quite a short pod. Um, There'll be a few things that come out of it. I don't know. I think Liam Livingston's looked good, who bowls both kinds of spin, which is which is a bit of fun. And then Darryl Milan yesterday made seven off 14. So there's some debate to be had uh, there. Did you see Sam Curran's run out, Dan, by I any did, chance? I today? did. And I think Jimmy Anderson said he's so bad at football, I don't know whether that was his strong foot or his weak foot that he got the run out <laughs> with. Which I think awesome bit of insight there. Uh, but yeah, middle to middle stump as well. I think he's got a, a place in England's team on Tuesday, potentially, against the Germans. <laughs> And and for listeners who may not have seen it, he he ran out he ran out um the Sri Lankan opener by just he dropped it and tried to run and the poor guy backing up behind him was run out by a pretty a pretty solid um I'd say pass straight pass from uh, yeah. from Curran's Curran's boot. I mean it's that accurate. was the most pathetic run I think I've ever seen in my life. It was, it was so, so nervous. It was so Sunday. It, it was like it was so such a hungover sunday league one it was just like they just couldn't be, even the players don't want to be there honestly this is such a sad series i, I love i love watching mickey arthur fail who's the coach of schlanker i love watching him in a bad mood because he just seems like an awful person uh okay right you're, so you're, <laughs> you're never gonna you're never gonna get this kind of content on the sky podcasts they've got to try and sell the game here on rage Cup play we tell exactly. you it's awful independent independent broadcasting we hate sri lanka um <laughs> if you are a sri lanka fan please write in <laughs> yeah please do tweet us at rainstop pod we'd love to hear from you um okay uh england women versus india women a fantastic test match that finished i've lost all sense of time with the world test championship final because it was such a, a weird six days that i can't remember this actually finished it was a little while ago now uh the match ended in a draw england made 396 for nine declared uh, Heather Knight's 95 top scoring, but Sophia Dunkley, who was on debut, made 74 not out, which really dragged that England total uh, up to a point where they could declare um, and put India under pressure. India then bowled out for 231, forced to follow on by England, and then made 344 for eight. Rana with the rear guard action there, 80 not out, as well as the wicketkeeper Batia with 44, 88. And the game petered out into a draw and the, and the last few hours were a little bit slow, but it was a great test match. I don't know if you boys caught any of it. Glenn, you might have been on a plane. Um, it was. I'm not sure they put that on on, on BA services. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was a fantastic test match. Um, a shame there's only one. A shame it was on a used pitch, which, which me and Will, I think, mentioned in, in the last one. Uh, and a shame it was only four days because there would have been a result otherwise. Um, so, yeah, what, what did we think of this? It was uh, a good advert for the women's game, I thought. It was a good advert for the women's game, but it also sums up lots of the problems with yes. women's cricket institutionally, mainly how it's being handled by the various authorities. So exactly the things that you just said, the pitch, the lack of fifth day, which probably was needed to get a result, but also the fact that the last two or three days of it were scheduled for the same days as the World Test Championship. 
Like, how are you trying to push any spectators towards the women's game? How can you say you're supporting it when you schedule the one test that these teams are going to play in the summer at exactly the same time as the biggest men's test match? So that felt a bit shambolic. Um, the shambles did continue onto the field as well. India had a major, major collapse. Um, it looked like it was going to be a really good game at one point. England put up a good score. Um, and then I think it was Mandana and the, the 17-year-old, Shivali Verma, who is oh, already... He looks unbelievable. Uh, I Charlotte Edwards say... was... was was beside herself in the commentary yeah. box and rightly so i was gonna say she's going to be a superstar because she's 17 but she already is yeah, i mean exactly. she's that good she's probably the best batter in the india team mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately once that opening partnership um was broken india did then collapse extremely hard were forced to follow on Epic um, but but just held on for a draw which was nice again if there had been that extra day england uh, uh would have would have won that test match which is nice for them um but overall yes yeah, it's, it's, it showed us the best and the worst i think of women's cricket Spot on, Will. I think I think there's a few. The five day thing is a, can be a little bit more of a nuanced debate, other than like this test didn't quite finish. Um, over rates were a little bit down. I, I know I know we bitched about how boring that chat is <laughs> the other week. Uh, a bit of rain got involved as well, so you'd hope this this four days would have worked. But I don't see why the women's game should have a fifth day. It doesn't really make any sense, does it? Um, from the England camp, Sophie Eccleston was unbelievable. Again, she could get in the men's team for me. She, she the way. She spins the ball, the pace she bowls it at, the control she has. Uh, she was fantastic. Four for 88 in the first innings. And then what did she get in the second? She must have chipped it. Four for 118. Another, another four for, yeah. Um, so really she was good. awesome. Um, great to see Catherine Brunt still going as well. She looks so angry all the time. She just looks like she's furious at everybody around her. I love that. And so, yeah, this this was really good. And again, the institutional problems that Will pointed out, just kind of sum it up a little bit, really. But... Um, a white ball series will be happening or it's happening now I think over the next few days um, I want to say three three T20s and three ODIs between the teams and it's one of those like series where games are worth points like the Ashes so uh, keep an eye out for that um, Blast Glenn help me out with the Blast because I've not been watching any of it uh, you're watching a little bit I've just quickly glanced at the tables Yorkshire top of the north Kent atop of the south Sussex is still undefeated, but they've had three no results. The, the weather's been pretty abject around the UK recently, so I know the the Sussex Somerset game got called off, which is the top of the table rain stop play derby, uh, and the Sussex Surrey game got called off, which again was two undefeated teams at the time. So, what's going on in the blast, and should we be bothered about it, even though we like it? Yeah, I think once again it's just a victim of uh, fixture congestion across like global sport. I mean, we've talked about. Um, you know, the football, we got the Euros, there's a lot of cricket. I mean, there was the golf that, that Dan and I very much enjoy just a couple oh, yeah. of days ago. <laughs> that was excellent. So I think the blast, unfortunately, just gets forgotten. And the way it's one of those things, almost the oversaturation of it, like there is basically pretty much a game every night. And almost because there isn't one certain night per week for games, I feel it's hard to keep track of because they're so spread out. It's kind of like how the Premier League was for football just in the middle of COVID when you had a game every day, you kind of lose momentum with it. And yeah, I appreciate that obviously the more that are on live TV, the better. Um, but as we've discussed before, a lot of counties, if not all of them, are basically showing it for free on their YouTube anyway. So I don't think spreading it out so much is helping us. I mean, for us three, again, who are really keen cricket fans, I think we're struggling to stay on top of it. Um, I think the quality has been good. Um, Alex Hales um, smashed 50 50 off 18 balls um, earlier this week for Knott's Outlaws. Um, Somerset 
who were turned over pretty brutally. I think we discussed on the pod um, by Surrey just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week and a half. They actually won at the Oval, um, which was really good last night. Um, that was very satisfying as a, as a Somerset fan. And we've kind of crept up the table. Somerset are now fifth out of nine in the um, in the Southern group, which it's, I mean, they're only, you can look at it a couple Ooh, of ways. So. Well, <laughs> you said well, that like it was good. Well, I, because I think because it was such a poor start for us, you can look yeah, at it basically. Sorry. We're four points off top or four points off bottom. We really are mid-table. Exactly. But I think you're seeing a lot of teams um, being able to beat everyone. I mean, even Northamptonshire managed to get their first um, their first win of the tournament yesterday as well. And as you said, Dan, look at the table in the north. Um, Yorkshire and Notts um, are doing are doing very well. Yorkshire had a very um, impressive victory they actually had um, a record stand um, in the middle order they were 50 for five and they managed to get to 191 for five Jeez. as Brooke and thompson shared a stand of 141 in 55 balls at headingley yesterday so oh there's real God. quality and this is that this is what i mean right because if we knew about this and there was more kind of discourse around it i don't quite know how to fix that but we would d- discuss this in the in the group chat and we'd be telling people about it but because these games are so frequent and just kind of washed by us you know there's history being made there but we're not being able to to consume it in a way but um i think the quality has been great uh we've got joe root playing we've got stokes playing we've got a lot of the england players um back in the fold especially the ones who aren't involved in the sri lanka series so i think it's great and just to just to round off the table as i mentioned yorkshire are not doing very well in the north group uh derbyshire near the bottom north ants as i mentioned have only got the one win so far uh usual suspects you'd argue in the southern group kent and sussex are top Kent with a pretty important, uh, impressive record of five wins out of seven. Not easy in T20. Uh, Sussex have won half of their game and they've got nine points. As you as you mentioned, Dan, there's been quite a few rain affected. That has also not helped with the tournament's momentum. I'd argue the weather's been difficult yeah. for the blast. I love this tournament and I wish they would fine tune it and obviously abolish the bla- uh, abolish the hundred so we could really <laughs> focus on this and enjoy it. Honestly, if there's the money summary. that went into if the money that's going to the hundred went into the blast. We'd be, we all be happy, right? Will, Absolutely. you like this? Well, I mean, that's definitely true. And we, we've said that bef- before the hate campaign for the 100 goes on. But it is absolutely true that obviously we need more backing for our own domestic T20 competition. It's insane that that doesn't exist. But I think the only thing I'd add to, to what Glenn said is that I think the blast, even more so than most sport, has been a real casualty of the lack of proper side crowd capacity. Because we, we all know from our time in Hove, a nice f- Friday night out, Sussex against Kent Spitfires or whatever. It's a it's it's a great time and it's the kind of thing that you know. I live around the corner from the Oval. Everyone will just calm down after work, have a great evening in the weekday, enjoy your cricket. You go home. That's when you chat about the blast. Um, and obviously we don't have that at the moment, which is which is a huge shame. Quick one on Hampshire. Um, they got renamed the Hawks. Anyone see uh, again? Someone else who missed. They're now Hampshire Hawks. Durham have dropped the the Jets uh, moniker from their name. Uh, and like you said, Glenn, it was interesting to see Stokes in a Durham shirt. That must have been the first time in a, in a, in a heck of a long time. Um, so, yeah, what's well, a shame about the Blast? Mate, Derby should have played eight games. When This started a week ago. What the heck is going on? Honestly, it's just, yeah, it's flown me by. It might have flown a lot of listeners by as well, but hopefully that's caught you up. And, you know, even if you just tune into finals day, some point in September or wherever it is, you'll have a great time. You don't need to really follow this too too intensely. Um, oh, we, we just alluded to it. The hundred. There's a bit of news coming out of the hundred. <laughs> uh, your team, Glenn, that we g- have given you, the Southern Brave, um, 
have signed Devon Conway and Quinton de Kock um, as replacements for Marcus Stoinis and David Warner. They are two fantastic upgrades, I, I must say. Um, obviously, Conway has absolutely exploded onto the scene. Uh, and de Kock is a fantastic player. We've seen how good he is in the IPL. Um, so Stoinis and Warner withdrawn because of their commitments and the travel issues with the pandemic. Um, and Conway, who's already in the UK, and de Kock, who I'm sure will be able to come over, have replaced them. So that's exciting. Anyone seen the um, 100 second advert for the 100 on Sky with um, oh, Ebony Rainford Brent? It's the most patronising sad thing and i like ebony rain for brent a lot and i just wish they didn't hadn't put her up to it quite frankly because it's so artificial but even, even the even the cameraman gets abused there's some yeah. really bad joke about the cameraman not paying attention or something i was oh, like there's so worker cringe. exploitation in the, in the <laughs> advert i mean what more do you need it's just it's not bad it's not it's just cringe i've never cringed cringe. at an advert so much in my life really cringe <sighs> Anyway, let's move that. That's as much airtime as going to give the hundred for now. Can't wait for the hundred uh, like special episode, boys. It's going to go off. <laughs> we'll have to censor that one. I think a little bit more. <laughs> okay, right. So for those of you who have fast forwarded, fast forwarded. I hope you haven't. We're here for the World Test Championship final review. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. What a six days. What a roller coaster of emotions. That six days felt like about twenty for me. I just lost all track of when cricket had been played what time sessions happened, who was doing what. But for those who haven't watched any of it, let me run you through the scorecard really quickly. India batted first, uh, got bowled out for 217. New Zealand responded with 249 in their second. India then bowled out for 170 in the third. And New Zealand in a somehow forced a result out of this game, 142 in the fourth with a handful of overs left on day six, the reserve day. Um... We'll talk about some player highlights throughout. Um, I think there were only two half centuries in the match. Uh, there was an exhibition of seam bowling from both sides. Um, some brilliant catching. It just it had it all, didn't it, boys? And I'm I'm just thankful there was a result. And me and Will spoke in the preview pod about how that was looking very unlikely with the weather that was around Southampton. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I just thought the whole thing was awesome. And I, I already quite liked the World Test Championship. And maybe we could speak more. We can sort of elaborate on what we said last week, Will, about how this tournament was a bit muddled coming into this final. But I thought this, I thought this final was awesome. The ICC had a great commentary team. I loved their graphics. They had lots of good stats. You know, it I just like all, it all like went that. well. I was expecting Sky graphics, by the way, for some reason. Then obviously it's an ICC production. Anyway, um, I've spilled too long there. Go on, Will. Start us off. Obviously, it's sad that India lost, but please talk about the event and the spectacle as well. Yeah, I'm curious to see Glenn's take on this, because on the preview pod, we'd, we'd said my sort of main takeaway approaching it is I'm curious to see how much this will feel like it means both to the fans and to the players, and whether it feels like a big championship final or it feels a bit like a glorified friendly. Um, and I think I'm maybe this is because India lost, but I'm certainly a bit more flat on it than I think Dan is. Also, probably because I was working the morning that the most drama happened. Um, so I didn't get to see <laughs> the crucial uh, wickets. Um, but I'd, I'd definitely agree with your summary of the game, Dan. I think it was excellent, excellent bowling all around. Um, sort of solid, very solid performances from the New Zealand batsmen. Very stoic at times. Didn't get overly excited even on the last day trying to chase it. Just took their time. Um, whereas India looked a little bit less sure and certain of their game plan. There were periods where they knew that they couldn't 
go too slowly, but they also didn't just send Pant out to open second innings and see if they could hit back the total. So, which just resulted in a a fairly rapid collapse in the end. Um, So I think it was two very, very good teams. I think you can tell that they're probably, if not the two best teams in the world, then very close to it. Um, Very good bowling, broadly good batting all round, although India a little bit less sure than, than New Zealand. And ultimately probably despite the uh, the weather threatening it, probably the best team won. Yeah, I, I really don't have anything um, to disagree with there, Well, I think you've both summarised it excellently. I think you could see what it meant at the end of the game. You know, New Zealand were jubilant, and it was, you know, it was ecstasy. I mean, they were, they, 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 could, they could barely believe their eyes. I think the fact that we did get a result when we, as you mentioned, was looking very unlikely. At the start of day six, New Zealand had a 27% chance of winning, I think it was, was that was on the graphic. So, I mean, that's pretty low. I mean, less than one in three. Um, and the the way that, the I think the way that both teams went about it in, a, in the sense that they both kind of forced a result because they played, like, very, I think the majority of the cricket was incredibly positive. I think it was very, there was one session, I think it might have been one session on the fifth day of the morning was incredibly slow going. And I think I just went back to bed because I was still jet lagged. It was when New Zealand that, were batting. Would that be I when think, Cade Williamson got his something like 15 off 100 balls? Yes, his yeah, slowest ever. That was a bit ever, It was, but... It still contributed to the wider game, which I think is worth appreciating. And it wasn't negative cricket. It was very sensible cricket. And I think there is a difference there. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. I, the fact that we saw that day, day six, I mean, A, I'm so glad they put in that reserve day. I know a lot of us in the chat were calling for an extra reserve day if it was needed, which would have made sense. Somehow we didn't need it. Um, but I was just so impressed by the quality of the cricket on display. I mean, I know New Zealand, you could probably chalk up part of the win to having the experience in England, to not having have jetted over here just for that. I think that was an advantage. But at the same time, you, you think about the, the wealth of riches in that in the India team and to beat them even in one game. I know that uh, Kohli was in the press today, yesterday, mentioning that he thinks the final should be three matches instead of one. And he did say that wasn't to discredit this one match um he he did mention that he, he thinks new zealand would, would deserve winners but the excitement i don't think I, I was shouting at the screen yesterday i was genuinely just shouting with um with how exciting it was when the wickets were falling when pant was playing pant ball and smacking it everywhere when he sh- when i think it was still the right thing to do i mean i'm getting on to other talking points here but i i, I think it was an incredible um advert for test cricket and i think both teams should be proud of how they played and I mean, Jameson stands out immediately as a stunning player for New Zealand who really helped force the result with his bowling. It was lethal. But there's so many talking points. Dan, lead us through. Yeah, a, a uh, that's, that's what I've got to do now. I've got to control. I've got to control the group here because <laughs> you've also brought up so many points that I want to kind of uh, nibble at here. Um, I think the point you made, Will, about, you know, what does this final mean to people? I think I'm, despite my positivity around the event, I saw I'm, I'm not quite there yet on that either, on whether it's quite as valuable as the 50 over World Cup or even a T20 World Cup. But I think that should be for, for a number of reasons. It's the inaugural one. No one's quite sure what this is doing yet. There weren't that many fans in there. I know we saw the New Zealand fans at the top stuff having a great time and there was a great Indian following. I just don't think the atmosphere was as it hopefully will be at the next final at Lords with a, with a full, cra- uh, full house. Um and of course, New Zealand, New Zealand players are buzzing, but I think if you asked, do you want the 50 over World Cup instead, they'd, they'd swap it, quite frankly. I, I really think that. Um, but yeah, it, it worked out. Uh, another point I want to make is I think the rain actually helped this game. I know it was really frustrating and actually quite 
annoying. We 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 lost two full days, I think. I think the first day and the the fourth. I can't, honestly can't remember. But this game would have been done pretty quickly without it. I think New Zealand would have would have won a lot quicker. I, I don't know. We we can chat about that. Um, but the first point I want to I want to chat about. And I'll come to you this. Uh, come to Will on this is India's third innings. So 170 all out. The reason I think this game was won by New Zealand and they probably were the better team is that India neither shut up shop and played for the draw or went, right, let's chuck the bat and give them a target of like 200 as opposed to 139. They did neither of those things and then got bowled out somewhere in the middle. That, for me, is the reason why the test match was lost for them. Um, So I wonder what you think about that, if you agree, and what India could have maybe done a bit different in that third innings if there was even an option, really. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But I think it's one of those things that probably makes a lot more sense in the head of spectators and fans than it does to the team. Because it it reminded me of that famous last day in Australia, where we remember it now as, you know, Australia set this big total. Lots of people thought it wasn't catchable. And India sent Pant out and he did some Pant ball and they won it. But actually, there was a lot of fairly attritional cricket earlier on in the day where they, they didn't send them out with the instruction to just chase the score. It was very much, let's see how we go, play your natural game. Don't do anything stupid, but also don't block out. And they were trying to do a very similar thing here, I think. Um, obviously, you praise it when it goes well. When it goes badly, you look pretty stupid. Um, but I think certainly if we're going to compare it to what England did in their test against New Zealand, where they seriously shut up shop to, to a lot of people's criticism and didn't seem to go for the win, I think that would have been the wrong thing to do. So I'm glad India didn't do that. Um, could you have been a little bit more positive? I think you could. I think part of that is just my personality and I like to see pants smashing it around. But yeah. I, I, I think given the time that they started their third innings, you could have opened a little bit more positively. If you lose a wicket or two that evening, then you go, OK, we'll come back tomorrow. And we can just block it out. Yeah. And you've yeah. still got eight wickets in hand. So I, I'd agree that that's that seemed like a problem. Um, but also it's probably just how most teams will bat when they approach that kind of situation. They believe in themselves to play their natural game and get a result out of it. Unfortunately, they just didn't bat well enough on the day. And, and you have to credit the New Zealand bowling for that. Well, that, that's what I was going to say in defence of India is that they were probably doing, trying to do what they were doing against Australia. But, you know, some unbelievable scene bowling, as we'll come on to. Um, it looked like a really hard pitch to score on. It, it, it wasn't a, bat, a batsman's pitch at any point. I'd argue day six was a nice looking day to bat. I think New Zealand's 140 for two suggests that, although different circumstances, but a couple of hacks across the line from Pant, which you'd hope he might have made contact with. I think, I think it was against Wagner. I just think, I think it was just hard to hit the ball. It was just really tough. Um, can we talk about this New Zealand bowling then, Glenn? Because um, no spinner definitely wasn't necessary. And they were kind of spraying it about. If you can, you know, to cast your mind back to the start of day one, um, I think, what was the first fall of wicket for India? 62. There was 62 without loss. Uh, there was a there was pretty prodigious swing around and seam, you know, all of it. And they were kind of spraying it about a little bit. And we thought, well, God, they've got great conditions in and they're not quite doing it. They obviously then pulled that back, thanks to well, all of them, really. Mostly Jameson, who took five for in that innings. And bowled India out for 217. I just thought, after that little period, they were pretty faultless throughout. Uh, and Jameson especially. Yeah, I think you've you've really summed it up well there. It what what surprised me when I was checking the score, I think I was just getting ready to travel over here, was that it took a took so long to get a wicket, as you mentioned. It was sixty-two runs on the board before any of the New Zealand bowlers struck, and they weren't bowling particularly well. It was just not a great start from players who you thought the way they played against England would be right in their rhythm. 
So I guess the flip side of that, what surprised me even more, was how quickly they pulled it back. And suddenly it was like a switch had been pulled and they were just right in the zone and they didn't leave that zone for the rest of the test match. It feels like they got all of the dross bowling out in the first session, first 10, 20 overs, got it out of their system. And then they just cracked on. I mean, it's one of those podcasts, Dan, where I feel like every answer leads to another question, because I guess my question to Will in a moment would be, do you think India got their selection right? Because obviously we're completely certain that five seamers was the correct thing for um, for New Zealand, despite De Gronholm not really doing that much. And didn't, they didn't even need him in the second innings. But Southie, Bolt, Jameson, Wagner, Old Bolt, they all have very different styles. They all bowled expertly. I mean, Wagner, even if he doesn't get wickets, he just roughs up the batsman. He gives them something different to think about. We all know Southie, Bolt, Southie and Bolt are two of the best on their day in world cricket. And Jameson has just come. He's been a, you know, a fan. We've been fans of him since we saw him um, in that Pakistan series um, a couple of months ago. And he's just kicked on. And he feels like a very genuine all-rounder. He can carry a bat. And he actually started his career as a batsman, which is interesting. So he is clearly a, a genuinely quality player. So they had their bowling base. Their bowling unit was completely fine. As you mentioned, Dan, they didn't need a spinner. Will, on the flip side of that, do you think... I know Ashwin bowled very well, especially in the, in the in the second innings. But do you think that India could have done with another seamer? Because these were very seam-friendly conditions. And what I read, I think it might be an ESPN piece just before we went on air, is that India might have announced their lineup, their 11, just a bit too early. And they didn't quite read the conditions right. Do you think that's a fair criticism? Maybe. And it was certainly weird that they put it out more than 24 hours in advance, especially when we knew that rain was going to kill off most of the first day. That felt like a weird decision. At the same time, I don't honestly think it made any difference to the to the selection. I mean, Dan and I, expert insight that we have, picked exactly the same team apart from one position. And, and um, sorry to interrupt, and we got the result right, Will. We got pretty much the team and the result right, which is yes. uncanny for a Rainstop play pod to predict something correctly. Well done us for once. Although I do have to say there was a, there was a point in the game, I guess it must have been midway through New Zealand's second innings, where the new, all of the commentary team started saying, yeah, Mohamed Shami is going to ma- be the man of the series if India wins it. And he, of course, was the one that both Dan and I dropped from our team. Um, <laughs> but to your point, Glenn, the one that we both thought might play would be Siraj, mainly for the reason that he seems a bit better suited to the conditions and he gets really good swing on the ball. Yeah. Um, so I am a little bit surprised that he didn't come in for that game. Having said that, Shami was the best of the bunch who did play and you probably yeah. weren't ever going to drop Ishant Sharma or Bumrah. Um, Bumrah had a, had a very surprising off day or off six days um, mm. for him. That, that's definitely the talking point for India, I think. And I agree. I think this was definitely the right team because you put uh, Siraj in instead of one of the spinners and that's how it gets even longer. And this is one of the worst tales in test cricket probably at the minute i think i heard a great stat and i wish i wrote it down but i didn't something like including this game and the games india played against new zealand uh, you know in the before times those last four wickets averaged about 38 between them and that uh, and you saw how you know tim saudi made a few runs for new zealand at the back of their first innings that helped them get into the lead little things like that kind of swing is a low scoring test match and adding siraj really wouldn't have helped you'd have to replace him with one of those seamers that you've just said will would never have got dropped exactly i think that's the case like both jadeja and ashwin batted neither were exceptional but they both batted all right they hung around exactly. for a while um but i think it's interesting that you point out that that poor re- batting record from the tail because it's equally true that the indian bowling lineup has a real problem cleaning up the tail and it's interesting that if when you put those two things together those are supposed to be the sort of a few easy runs or the easy bit of your bowling and yeah. um, and India are the wrong side of that equation in both aspects, which just means the top six and bowling against the the best 
batsmen on the opposition team have to be that much better because you're making up for this weakness in both tails. That's such a fascinating point. And you're just sort of losing, let's say, you know, 60 runs in either innings there, 120 runs. That's like, that, that can really add up, especially in a low scorer. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's much against the Indian selection so much as you know, if you could have seen how badly Bumrah bowled, you'd have picked Saraj, but of course you can't look into the future. What do you reckon to Bumrah, by the way, in tests? Anyone got anything to say on that? I mean, I've not watched him enough recently to really remember. Was he good against England? He was like okay against England? I think it's a tough one. And it, I almost I almost put the question in. I didn't want to set Will off. I wasn't sure what his reaction would be. I almost put the question in our group chat. Is Boomer good enough at test level? Not to say that he hasn't been in the past and that he can be. But I think on reflection, it was a poor game from him. And he didn't even bowl, honestly, especially when I watched the, the, the two days I did watch um, straight. It wasn't as if he was hitting terrible areas. He was just a little bit unfortunate at times. The chances didn't quite fall when he was on. But to get no wickets across two innings in very seam-friendly friendly conditions is, is, is a worry as, as one of the best bowlers in the world, undisputed in, in limited overs. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I will defer to you here because I just... Haven't seen him quite enough recently. Yeah, this is this is blasphemy, I'm afraid, from Glenn. This, this, is, this is worse than trying to drop Coley. Um, but no, I, I think it's a good point. Um, no, I don't. That's not true. That was that was my that was my <laughs> edit that, so out. Cut that, that was that was my version of respect to Sri Lanka. Wait, actually, yeah. no. no. Um, yeah, of course, people people are going to ask the question. I, I honestly think that the thing with his performance in this game wasn't even, as you said, that he was terrible. It, it was a reflection of how good pretty much everybody else bowled that he seemed like a weak link. Um, but I didn't see any crisis signs from his perspective there. Um, and yeah, he, he didn't have the best of series against England, but again, he wasn't terrible by any means. And he got that one delivery to absolutely explode off the length of Ross Taylor. That was outrageous. My guy played a forward defensive and got hit in the face. It was amazing. It's bizarre. Uh, Yes, yeah, so let, let's not fully rule out Bumrah. Let's just let's not end his career just yet, as we ended the Sri Lankan nation earlier. Um, let's talk about the winners, New Zealand. Um, I mean, as a whole, uh, the, it was quite it was quite funny watching that last innings because all the commentators knew New Zealand were going to win pretty much. I think especially when they got to about I don't know seventy for two, and they were just sort of talking then as if they'd won it about the team and about the attitude. Etc. Etc. I really quite enjoyed that, so I want to kind of get involved with that as well about how this team plays Test cricket under Williamson, their attitude, um, and just the way they are. They're nice to watch, aren't they? Um, so go on, Glenn. Wax lyrical about New Zealand for a bit, and can I mention that I, I just enjoyed the ICC commentary team quite a lot. Um, DK was awesome as he always is. Um, you know, Athers and Hussein are probably Sky's two best commentators. They went, they they pinched for the ICC. Annie Ishigua. Um, I love Simon Thule. I think he's very fun to listen to. Um, and it's just Sunil Gavaskar that winds me up. So other, other than that, it was a great, it was a great team. Um, and Kumar as well. Oh yeah, Kumar was on there for a bit before he had to sneak off to the uh, the old Sri Lanka series, didn't he? There's one more. Oh, Ian Bishop. Now he's a vo- that, that that's a cricketing voice if you've ever heard one. Anyway, I've gone really off topic there. I was asking Glenn to talk about how good New Zealand are. Talk about their sort of run for the past two years, basically, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's been exceptional. And, you know, everyone starts talking about New Zealand by putting this through the prism of their very unfortunate freak accident kind of heartbreak in the the World Cup um, 50 over final, which we obviously all savoured. You know, they really were like one shot away from away from winning that and probably on any other day. 
they would have um, because there was some luck in England's favour um, that day. So to come to bounce back and I mean, to be back in England, you know, the same country where you've probably had your biggest professional heartbreak ever, probably aside from injuries and personal stuff like to bounce back and play the way they did. I mean, A, they, you know, both teams were here on merit. You know, this is this is the point of the World Test Championship is to get the best test teams playing each other, facing off. And it, although India's performance left something to be desired, at no point did I think there should be a different team in their place. I felt throughout the games that these were the best two test teams playing each other. And that's why it had such a lovely ebb and flow. And the fact that it was in, you know, foreign conditions to both teams, to an extent, they obviously were much more um, similar to to New Zealand's home conditions. But, you know, playing it somewhere else, it re- for me, it did have this magic. And that's kind of something we touched on at the start of the pod. Like, did it mean much? I mean, for me, I absolutely adored it. I think it's a fantastic way to invigorate test cricket, which at times can be, uh, for want of a better word, just a bit elitist and closed off and not as accessible as it should be. So I think it did have that magic for me. And New Zealand were very much a part of that. And I mean, you can tell that they're, they're just a bunch of mates and they back each other and they support each other. And my one one thing, just to sum this up, BJ Watling, 35 years old, you know, a whole, whole career playing test cricket. He dislocated his finger on the final day, on the sixth day, and he just carried on keeping dislocated his ring finger and you know most players probably quite rightly would think well i probably need to go get that sorted out that's not i'm not saying you should play through injuries but the fact that he did basically say this is my last test because he was ruled out of the second um, england one with a back injury which was frustrating for him and although he didn't score with the bat i think he just got one run in that first innings his keeping was exceptional throughout and you could just tell there was this sense of team spirit that you don't often get just cursing through this team and I mean, they're all likable. And what's what's quite interesting is I think there's a, there's two sides to this. I think it's a young and exciting India team that are going to go on to great things. And it's a New Zealand team that are at the peak of their powers right now. So you have the young guns versus the experienced batting unit. I mean, the fact that Taylor and Williamson um, did see this through was the poetic end that they mm. deserve because Taylor's 37. He can't do this so much longer. He's got a family. He's, he's probably going to be retiring sooner than later. So the fact that the two older players plus the senior bowling unit I mean, we do, you know, Southie's been getting wickets since I've basically been a fan of test cricket since I've been young. So the fact that they've done so much quality cricket together over such a sustained period for, it's a cliche, such a small nation is just exceptionally impressive. And I mean, they're likable. They're everyone's second team at the minute because they're all so likable. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to say about this team is pretty much the same. And I could, we could talk for ages about a lot of these players and we don't have time really, but like Wagner, the way he runs in and can bowl the full swimming in spells, or he does the dirty overs, banging it into the pitch. Um, De Grandom's hair, obviously. Uh, Watling, you mentioned. We all have classically how Williamson bats. Ross Taylor, their highest ever test run scorer, who's been there forever. And then you like of Conway, who's still been there. Both of these teams had the least players play for them in the two-year period of the World Test Championship, if that makes sense. Probably a better way to phrase that. Um and that's probably why they're both in the final. But this, this New Zealand team especially just feels like it's always been there. And I think just one more thing. It has a sense of identity, especially in contrast to the England test team, which is a really a crisis of identity. We don't know who our best openers are. We barely can string together a middle order. 
Mm. I don't particularly enjoy watching England play test cricket because the other formats are prioritised so much. This was the same groups of players. You just hit the nail on the head there, Dan. And there's no egos. I mean, that's another thing. You know, the Australian team, it's it's easy to say this, but as good as they can be, there's always going to be a sense of ego and arrogance there because that's just the culture they have in their cricket. And we've seen that year on year on year. New Zealand exemplified by their captain Kane Williamson who is just you know the sweetest just you know most unassuming guy ever and I mean there's players like Latham and Nichols they've been playing for years I can't tell you a fact about either of them except that they play cricket for New Zealand and they're quite good at it that is all I can tell you unfortunately we don't have any dirt we don't have any stupid stories they're just a bunch of guys who love their sport who love their job and I'm delighted they want it I mean India I would have been delighted if they wanted to very similar story I love their team but I think and it's just it's just really shows that if you just put in the hard yards and are a unit throughout years on years and years, and if your country backs test cricket, whereas in England that clearly is not the case, you reap the rewards. You win an inaugural, inaugural tournament, and that can never be taken away from them. It's a massive achievement. I, th- I think it's a fascinating uh, way to compare it to England, Glenn. I think that's a really good point you bring up. Um, obviously, as England fans, we're going to talk about England all the time. Sorry. But it is, and these guys just play when they're supposed to play. Oh, there's a test match on. Should put should put our best eleven out. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think that's probably a good idea. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely something to look at. And I think one of the commentators brought this up in that sort of weird hour where everyone knew they were going to win. Um, that this is a blueprint for teams like Sri Lanka and West Indies who have got a smaller population that just a well-run organisation around your cricket can generally help. Um, and you made a good point going about the World Test Championship, bringing these smaller teams up and contextualising all a bit more. I think this is something for them to look at as well. Yeah, I think it's a contrast to other sides, not just England, but West Indies. I mean, their test team is is in dire straits right now. We've discussed on this pod that they're really struggling, and that's a big contrast as well. So I think it is interesting um, just to see that development. And just one more thing about the game, Dan, you, you kind of just touched on it. There was that weird hour where we all were watching it from probably six till seven when we knew they were going to win. When Ashwin got those two wickets, when he got both the openers out and was bowling beautifully, was there any in the set in that final fourth innings, any sense of jeopardy for Will or you? Did we ever think that India had a chance? Because for me, it wasn't until Williamson and Taylor were settled that I thought this is it. They're going to win it. When it was both the openers out and Williamson Taylor were just in, I thought maybe, maybe that India might just make something happen. What did you think? Yeah, I thought there was there was always a chance. There was a there was a drop. Pajara dropped one in the slips. I think off came Williamson. It might have been Taylor. It was um, Taylor. Was it Taylor? Yeah. Which I, I thought mean, if that, you... that's when I thought God, because I I wanted I wanted that to get close. I did want New to win, but I wanted it to get a bit closer than it did. So I was a bit gutted when that went down. Yeah, and that probably was the moment that it started to feel like time was slipping away. Yeah. Um, but but there's always a chance. But the I mean, as you've all said, wax lyrical and rightly so about about the way that New Zealand approached the game. They make it feel so easy, even even if it's not. There's, there's never, even though you think, you know, you look at the score, you look at the time left, you look at the way India are bowling, and you sort of want to think, oh yeah, they, they can make a game out of this. That it doesn't it just doesn't seem to phase the New Zealand batsmen. They just go about their business. They never they never panic, and that makes you think, oh no, they've they've got this. I think it was when Taylor survived. Oh, I can't remember how long it was now, but they just lost a wicket. Ashwin was bowling at it on a piece of string. I think Taylor took about 15 balls to get off the mark. And all of a sudden, I was thinking, right, lads, this is day six. There's only a few overs left in this. What's going on? They obviously had that all under control. Me as a fan, I was like, oh, gosh, you know, that run rate's creeping up a little bit. Obviously, that was never a problem for New Zealand. So, yeah, I don't think I ever saw this going another way when they had 
139 to chase. I thought that was just what just wasn't quite enough um, for India. I don't want to have a full post-mortem in India because they're, you know, they're in the final. They played pretty well. But the one thing I want to talk about is Rahane's uh, wicket in the first innings. That was that was, that was was the only wicket that was given away from me because I thought New Zealand bowled so well. Um, you know, Kohli had his moment. Uh, Rahane before that wicket. Um, Pant looked great. And they all batted well until a good ball came their way. But that sucked, didn't it, Will? That little sort of like, he just gave it to square leg. It just been moved there. That was awful. Yeah, it, it it was poor and it was not the first time we've seen that kind of thing. And I think we even said on the preview podcast, the thing with lots of these Indian batsmen, and he's one of them, is they don't get out to the best ball in the world. They, yes, they've, ju- yes. they've just got a silly one in them. And that was a great so example true. of that. And I think he needs to be a little bit worried, although he's the vice captain, which helps him a little bit in terms of selection. <laughs> if you are going to do anything to that team and, and Virat Kohli came out afterwards and sort of implied they might it's it's been spun in lots of the press as Kohli calls for overhaul of the test side which absolutely isn't what he said I mean what um, did he say did he like did he say mm. he basically said look we need to look at the way we've approached the white ball teams and success we've had there and oh, build okay. up build up yeah, our strength yeah, yeah. and depth and, the, and then he's got this quote which they've all run away with which is we need to have players with the right mentality oh, which people okay. have taken people to mean that's a that. dig at our current players as if they don't I think he wasn't quite saying that but there will probably be changes in the next year or so. And I think Rouhani will be the one that's most nervous about his position because you've got, on the one hand, experienced test specialists like Vahari, who are coming up behind him and, and has had very good series in England. You've also then got the younger players. So Pritvi Shaw will come back. We sort of made fun of him because he had a very poor run in yeah. the test side earlier this year. But he's also got a fantastic uh, record opening prior to that in the previous series in, in West Indies and others. And also... He is kind of Shubman Gill before Shubman Gill. He's still about 21 years old, played unbelievably well in under-19s cricket for India. So he will come back into the side. Um, and then you've got people like Mike Agarwal, who, again, had a great record as an opener, dropped out of the side. He's waiting in the wings. So no one in this India side can afford to be too complacent. And I think at the moment, Rahane is the closest to the chopping block, probably. That, that's such a good point. And I, I remember not long ago, Will, I think we were saying Rahane should captain instead of Kohli. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how, how things change? change? But you're right. And I think, I think it's Pujara near there as well. He needs a score. And I think, you know, how long can this Brigadier Blocker um, sort of, you know, meme live on if he's not scoring? You know, would you want to make a little change there? I don't know what you, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I think it's always harsh to judge him by the scoring because of what else he brings to the team. But you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, it's about runs. I think he's probably safe for now because you did you do need somebody of experience and stature and calmness and who's going to stay there and phase 100 balls happily, given all of the young and more attacking batsmen that we've got coming up around him. So I think he's probably safe for now. But but I agree with you. There's a few of them who will be looking at their scores and, and knowing that they need to improve this summer. Um, and one more thing on the balance of this India side, Will. We can we can tease this as a bit of a preview for the rest of the summer coming up against England. Um is the balance of this side with three seamers and two spinners? Do you think that'll carry on, or do you think one of, <laughs> excuse me, one of Ashwin or Jadeja might might fall out and either a batsman or another seamer come in? I just, I mean, for me, this works perfectly. You have got three seamers and two spinners that turn it in different directions, both of whom can hold a bat. So, it, for me, it still works. I was just interested in, into what you think, especially for a series against England in England. 
yeah, I, I think they're they're very set with it. I think, you know, maybe there's the odd game where they, they look at the pitch on a day and think it's not going to turn at all and then they change it. But I think basically for the series, it's it's set for all of the reasons that we said. It's too short. It's too long a tail. If you put in somebody like Siraj instead of Jadeja, add into that all of the, like the amazing work fielding that he does, what he brings with the ball. Ashwin's a wicket-taking threat anywhere, so he's not going to come out. So I'd imagine that, that 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 balance pretty much stays as is. And then you just rotate between four or five different seamers. No, no Vihari and push Pant down to to seven. No, no sixth batsman. That that's that's the one thing I'd look at again, just to sort the tail issue we've mentioned out. I don't know if that's as pressing an issue. I think it is a pressing issue. So maybe another batsman, or am I trying to ruin this lovely India team? <laughs> All it's done is lose a very close game. By the way. Yeah, I think honestly it's got a really nice balance to it at the moment. I think the problem that you're trying to solve, if there is one, isn't really the the length of the tail, although that's a potential problem. It's that it keeps collapsing once you get below the second and third wicket. So I think if they look to bring mm-hmm. Bahari in, it'll be in that position. Yeah, yeah, that all makes sense. So yeah, looking forward, India staying in England, touring England, plenty of test matches, and probably a bit of white ball stuff as well, because they always have to chuck that in. And there is a World Cup coming up, so got to look out for that. Uh, New Zealand, I don't know what they're doing, but, you know, go have a few beers, I guess. Yeah, they're probably cricket at some point, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, just before we wrap up, we did have a message um, from Zach, who couldn't be here. Apparently, he's driving, but he can still watch cricket when he's driving. So I'm uh, glad we, I'm not in his car. We should have had him on as, as a remote guest for the 50th episode, really, shouldn't we? <laughs> like, on the move. Or we, like, print off a little a little photo of him. Um, but he he wanted us to share for, 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 for fans of the pod and therefore fans of his cricket career. He's been pushed up to the lofty heights of the fourth 11 for this weekend. He's usually in the sixth. I mean, this is a big cricket club. So My he, club couldn't field seconds. That's just all of Leeds. I think he's playing with. Basically. I think he's playing for for, for Leeds CC. Yeah, Leeds. <laughs> um, and he also took one for twenty in a T, uh, one wicket for twenty runs on a T20 on Monday, but he didn't specify how many overs. So it might have been one really bad over, or it might have been four really good ones. It's kind of hard to say. I hope for his sake. He tends to bowl his allotted four. So yeah, he's going to be listening to this now just yelling at us, isn't he? I love it when we talk about someone who's not on and they can't defend themselves. <laughs> Let's say it was one over. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not been on for the past couple of weeks, so we've not been able to um, to hear his cricketing exploits. But I'm sure we'll be back for the 51st episode um, of Rain Stop Play and plenty more. Um, well, that will about wrap it up then, boys. An excellent couple of weeks of cricket. What a six days that was. Um, we will have a white ball review. I think that's what we agreed. And we're just, we're just agreeing it on air now. You're basically listeners in our meetings, effectively. Um, oh, should we have a look, quick look at the England score before we uh, leave? I've, I've done it for you, Dan. So oh, Sri Lanka got a pitiful... And it could have been worse, actually. Um, their number seven or eight smacked a few eventually, but they got 111 off seven. It was looking like they were going to get under 100 in their full allocation, which is just beyond tragic. And... That batsman, who was, I think, number seven, eight, is the only player to have a higher strike rate than 100, which is Jeez. bad for an ODI. That is bad for a, a, a traditional one-day format. Yeah. As I mean, the, maybe, maybe the pitch is average, but that's just bad. That's just, oh, gosh. Anyway, well, well, I'll, I'll watch the chase, obviously. What else am I <laughs> going to do? It's Thursday night, but yeah. Enjoy the rest of the series, those listening. Yeah, so we'll be back after the ODI series. We we think we might do something in between. You, you just don't know. Just keep an eye out on <laughs> your respective podcast app and our Twitter at RainStopPod. Okay, boys, Glenn, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Good to be back in England. And we'll see you soon. Sorry about India, but thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks very much. See you next time. 
and I will see both of you at the Oval. There'll be a rain stop play. I don't want to say live event or meet and greet. If anyone's at the Surrey Somerset game, <laughs> you're gonna do some signed shirts. <laughs> it, but listen, on all serious note, we, we borrowed the pavilion. <laughs> We've got one of the rooms out in the pavilion. No, we don't. We will be at the Surrey Somerset game. I believe it's Sunday the 11th of July. So that maybe we'll try and get some content. I doubt it highly. But listen, it would be nice to be in person for the first time ever as a Rainstock play crew. Anyway, so thank you all very much for listening. And we'll be back next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.